Hello, everybody. Very happy to be here right on Halloween. I guess we always have this uh, good luck with a specific auspicious days. We had new moons, full moons happening on our little meetings here. And now we have Halloween, which is very auspicious. As you know, Halloween is the Celtic New Year. So it's really interesting that the G20 decided to come and meet and talk about Mother Nature, Mother Earth in Glasgow, which is uh, Celtic lands right on um, Halloween. I'm pretty sure somebody thought about it. And maybe it will help all the politicians take off their disguise or maybe put a disguise of somebody who is sincere or somebody who really wants to help, even though it's not really nice to say. I'm sure a lot of the people there are genuinely trying to work with uh, um, Mother Nature and with us to ensure children and grandchildren are going to actually have an earth uh, to work on and to walk on. And it's not that the whole earth will be covered with water. It's kind of interesting. I thought about it a few days ago that, you know, the earth, 71 water, we are made about proportion of water. Water is definitely the most important element uh, we have here on planet earth. I mean, if you think about it, nature, uh, trees, plants, um, animals, we are mainly made of water. Without water, there's definitely no, no, no life. So while it is true that we are stardust, that we uh, owe our life to the sun, to the great father, we are very much looking like our mother, uh, much more than our father. And I'm talking about the energy of water water. So it's interesting that because of our inability to handle the environment or to recognize the fact, our effect on the, gov- on the basically on the, on the planet and our influence over the planet, uh, the planet has become more watery. If you noticed what we are scared of, that with another half degree, one more degree, two degrees, we will see a lot of our cities that enjoy beautiful waterfront view are going to be basically flooded. So it's as if Mother Nature says, listen, guys, you either have to develop compassion within you, meaning able to channel water. Water is the sign of compassion, emotions, nurturing, taking care, feeding, um, housing, and so forth. Either you do it inside of you, you know, elevate the percentage of water that you have, metaphysically speaking, and be more compassionate, more emotional. We sent you a lot of teachers uh, to teach you that. So you should be able to have all the material you need in order to discover compassion and and maybe uh, practice compassion. Or you can negate uh, the changes that you have caused to Mother Nature and you can uh, call it a hoax and you can... um, be companies that are trying to spread your uh, product, whether it's fossil fuel or whatever it is you're doing, mining coals, etc. And therefore, we still have to have the same amount of compassion on the planet. And if you can't generate it yourself, well, the planet will do it for you and start raising the water level until the point that you recognize that the earth is covered with 80 degrees water or 90 degrees water or maybe 99 degrees water. So one way or another, you have to learn to deal with water. And I thought about it a lot in this context because of today's events in the uh, in Glasgow and all of these leaders of the world trying to negotiate and find a solution that um, astrology is based on seasons, as you know. And as some, sorry, I didn't even 
tell you guys that uh, from this day on, yes, we're going to meet every Sunday at 10 o'clock over Zoom, but I'm recording this and as I always do, and I'm going to start uh, posting it also as a podcast. A lot of people suggested I would do that. So that's what I'm going to start doing. And we're going to call it the Cosmic Navigator Astrology Show. I guess it's kind of simple and self-explanatory. So you can look it up uh, maybe in a day or two days, wherever you get your podcast. And I'm going to try to explore, again, the connection between the above and the below, as we do here uh, in the podcast as well. So the idea behind astrology is that it was created to mark seasons. Don't forget, astrology was created as we started domesticating ourselves, obviously. We say domesticating animal, domesticating plants, but we really domesticated ourselves. We started, stopped moving all over the place and decided this will be our home. This will be our, our abode. And here we shall sit and wait and grow. And that's precisely when also astrology was created in order to help us mark the seasons. It became a cosmic clock. Remember, cosmos coming from Greek word of order. Uh, so we established astrology around the seasons. The equinox starts the year, the 21st of March. It begins spring. We just passed the fall equinox in the Northern Hemisphere, the 21st of September, which was the day when the day and the night are equal and day are kind of light and night, sorry, light and dark are getting into some kind of balance. That's why Libra started at that day. So all of astrology is based on the skeleton of the equinoxes and the solstice, which creates the framework for astrology. And then I was thinking, and my friend was talking to me, there was a lot of rain here in, in uh, California, as you know, and we said, Oh, thank God, fire season is over. And I thought, wait, wait, what? Fire season? We now have a season named after fire. And then in other places, there is flooding season. So there is a whole season for flooding. And in other places, there's hurricane season and tsunami season. Um, it's a good thing we don't still have earthquake seasons. And what I've realized, because of our inability to channel our development in a way that is not destructive to the planet and to us and to animals that co-inhabit this place, the seasons shifted from being spring, winter, fall, you know, how we used to have seasons. Now the seasons are starting to morph into each other. You know, plants are coming out earlier and die faster. Fruits are not completely coming into fruition. Beans, bees are starting to disappear. The seasons are messed up. It's almost as if we messed up astrology a little bit because we messed up our life as about astrology is describing us. And the same thing is happening with the seasons. They're losing their identity in a sense they become like a walking dead and instead of them uh, of these seasons what we have is fire season flood season water season fire season i think it's a little bit disturbing so we're all talking about this right now uh, on the day uh, of halloween you know the day the eve of the day of the dead in order to basically ensure that future generation can enjoy the planet as much as we did maybe up to a 30, 40 years ago. You know, it's been coming very difficult lately. So that's just a thought. And the thought comes to me, I think, from the idea of Uranus being in Taurus. You know, uh, that's one of the beautiful things about working with astrology and taking you guys along on the ride, uh, because it's like a tour bus where where the person who is leading the expedition is also learning along the way because people are asking really smart questions and uh, a person has to guide, the guide has to go and find the answers either within or uh, through libraries or internet, 
as long as we still have them, you know. So I was thinking Uranus in, in Taurus. That started in 2018 uh, officially, right at the trade wars, if you remember, uh, in May of 2018. It goes back and forth, Uranus in Taurus, until it settled uh, in um, March of 2019 in Taurus. And it's going to be there until 2026 when it's going to move into Gemini. So Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius, and Aquarius is associated with astrology. And so we are now at the age of Aquarius, the season of Aquarius. It's going to last around 2,000 years. So, of course, Uranus has major uh, influence right now because he is kind of the ruler of our age, you can say. He's the modern ruler of our age. And Uranus is all about revolution. It was discovered in 1781 at the age of revolution, the French Revolution, American Revolution, Industrial Revolution, whatever revolution, it was happening around that time. So Uranus in your chart also represents where you are a rebel, where you are a mad scientist, where you are asking for an awakening, because Uranus is being looked at now with modern astrology as the great awakener. Before he was just disruptive. Now he's awaking us. You know, he's waking us up to new, new reality, new, uh, new understandings. And Uranus is also connected to technology, innovation, power to the people, futuristic ideas. And it's very much about Aquarius. Aquarius is all about fraternity. It's about coming together. It's about being humans, in a sense, instead of Americans or Mexicans or Russians or Chinese. And I want to share with you something that uh, that I read today on New York Times um, about this uh, G20 talks that is happening on Halloween right at Glasgow, the Celtic lands. And it says uh, tension loom, uh, tensions loom over the 12 day summit. Again, 12 days. It's like the 12 apostles and 12 signs, the 12 tribes in, uh, in the Bible. Some poor countries hard hit by the climate disasters are holding out for money promised and yet to be delivered. And the industrialized nations that fuel the crisis, the, um, what we have here is basically the people, us, you know, in the West that we have polluted uh, the, the planet. And we're asking for the developed countries to stop using coal, even though we use it for a long time, even though it can really harm their economy and their um, jobs. Okay. Now, the polluting countries are pressing each other, because that's another conflict, to cut their emissions while jockeying uh, for advance, uh, advantage and wrestling with the impacts of their own economies. So, that's what we're having. We're having an issue between the developing and the industrial and among the industrial uh, as well. Uh, complicating matters, the need to collective action to tackle such an urgent existential global threat uh, comes at a time of rising nationalism. This makes the talk in Glasgow a test of whether global cooperation is even possible to confront a crisis that does not recognize national borders. This is a pure Uranus sentence. Um, if even possible to confront this, again, crisis that does not recognize national borders. That's brilliant. That is precisely what Uranus is. Uranus have created a crisis that does not recognize national borders. So make America great again, or the new logo of uh, some people here in America, make America great again, again. Uh, all of that nonsense uh, coming from nationalism in China, we need to be one united China with Taiwan, with Tibet, even if those countries are not connected to us. And uh, all of that talk about Mother Russia, it's okay to take over other lands because it used to be ours, kind of ours, maybe it's ours, maybe it's not ours, but it doesn't matter if we don't have any money to even 
it's it's okay that our national name is over our flag is flying remote place you know that idea of nationalism or religious nationalism like is happening in Israel in the West Bank and the West Bank and the occupied territories all of that is counter Zeitgeist, you can say. Counter the spirit of the time. The spirit of the time is told to us by Uranus and in astrology. Uranus is in Taurus. Uranus is revolutionary. It is an awakener. What is Taurus? Taurus, in fact, is one of the only signs, the only signs that astrologers believe is actually ruled by the Earth, not by Venus. So if you have one sign that is ruled by planet Earth or Mother Nature, imagine in astrology, Earth is ruling one of the signs. It will be Taurus the sign of mother nature, the sign of um, uh, green uh, postures and green surroundings, the earth herself, the five senses, the, the connection to the planet, the tree of life. That's precisely what Taurus is. So when Uranus moved into Taurus, it started changing our attitude towards mother nature. Uh, think about even uh, 2019, I think it was, when um, the, the, the page or the main... Uh, the main cover page of time was about a, free, a fighter for mother nature, if you think about it. And she was just 16 years old or 17 years old. So the idea of revolution or revolutionizing our connection to mother nature is Uranus in Taurus. And we have basically until 2026. In 2026, Uranus is going to move into Gemini. And Gemini, like we said, is the twins. And if we are not in line together, east, west, industrials, development, whatever, then there's going to be a lot of civil wars. There's going to be a lot of confrontation. And there's going to be a very uh, difficult overall, especially because Pluto, the lord of death and resurrection, is going to move into Aquarius, which we said is ruled by Uranus, who is in Taurus. So you see that we have loops telling us, listen, guys, you think it's kind of a philosophical I think it's something between liberal and conservative, between industrial uh, countries to developed countries. You're absolutely wrong. This whole thing is Uranus is in Taurus once in 84 years to remind us that this is the earth. That's all we have right now. And we have to somehow unite and overcome borders and overcome nationalism in order to save ourselves. The earth will be fine to save ourselves. Because the earth is going to be here, it was before us, and it will be many, 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 many billions of years after us. doesn't matter what we do to it, it will be fine. It is us who are in line. And of course, uh, the animalitas that are around us, poor guys, and some of the plants. But they'll evolve and they will be fine, believe me. Uh, it is us that we have to work on. You know, if we still want to renate as humans on this planet, we do have to do something about it. So that's, for me, Uranus in Taurus. It's an awakening. And then I thought about another thing. I thought, you know what? It could be a clever way of the earth, Taurus, Mother Nature, to teach us how to unite. Because there's two options now. Uranus, by the way, rules in the tarot card. Uranus and Aquarius is very much associated with extraterrestrials. That's why as we get deeper and deeper into the age of Aquarius, we're going to have more chances of encountering extraterrestrials. Now, the idea is, I always thought, you know, like in... World War II, the West and the East connected together against the evil of Nazism. And that lasted for a little bit until the Cold War came. Okay, not a hot war, at least a Cold War. But it kind of split the world and the world united under the Warsaw Pact and not, you know. Then I thought, okay, what will help us? What will get us over our differences? What will make us realize that the difference between us, the color of our skin, the religion, the way we call God, whatever, our gender, 
our orientation, what will make those things look so pathetically small and insignificant that we can't really bicker about it or fight about it? That is, if an alien uh, invade us, if an alien species come into uh, come to us, believe me, Russians and Chinese and Americans will cooperate the way they've never done before, share all of their uh, secrets in order to defeat uh, this new um, invasion or threat, right? But that's not going to teach us nothing. And that's also going to be probably temporary because, hey, we tried it over in World War II. It didn't really work. I mean, more evil than Nazis, I think, is going to be very difficult for the aliens to uh, outstate the Nazis, right? And that even didn't last for that long. So what will happen if we just mess up the complete planet? I mean, we're going to have disasters. We're going to have floodings. We're going to have um, terrible weather patterns that will force all of humanity to come together in order to save the earth. It's almost as if uh, siblings that are fighting over uh, some kind of inheritance until they realize that their inheritance, the earth, is uh, the, the, their house is crumbling down or there is some kind of a problem with the house itself that needs to be fixed. So the idea Uranus in I thought about it in the last few days is that, that really it is an awakening of us to unite in order to save Mother Nature. And that Mother Nature, in a sense, is sacrificing herself for us to unite. So that were my thoughts, kind of gloomy, I know, but don't forget that Mercury retrograde is still in the shadows, still dealing with the shadow of Mercury retrograde. Is that tomorrow, uh, uh, the shadow, not tomorrow, but on uh, today's Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we are going to have a, that's going to be over in a sense around the 3rd of November, 4th of November, right on the new moon, we're going to have the end of this Mercury retrograde that is kind of Mercury retrograde out of a horror story, out of a Halloween story in a sense. Now, again, people, we, we discussed here a lot in the, in our conversations about why was this Mercury retrograde so crazy? And remember, I was sitting here in this chair long before the Mercury retrograde in the shadow, warning you that even though I never paid attention to shadow, even in my books, I never, I never write the shadow dates. Uh, from now on, we are going to pay attention to shadows. So yes, we, we, we found out that a lot of the other planets were retrograding with Mercury at the same time. Pluto, Minerva, uh, Chiron, Jupiter, Saturn. We talked about it. So that made it even worse. And we found out last week that also Venus was out of bounds, which created it even more problems because Venus is the ruler of Libra and Mercury was retrograding Libra. But then I started thinking, I mean, these are very specific things for this Mercury retrograde. And I have a feeling that a lot of astrological aspects are now going to be harder. The same way that before it used to be here and there, a little bit of a drought, a little bit of a flood, a little bit of a heat wave, a little bit of a fire. You know, it was like that for a while and we managed to work with it. But as we get to this tipping point where half a degree could make a big difference, as above, so below. I think there is all a correlation, a connection. Therefore, if before Mercury retrograde was kind of funny, some tricks, you know, hey, don't buy anything and don't start a new business. Oop, it collapsed. Well, I told you it's Mercury retrograde. Now it's going to be a little bit more serious. The flooding is not about two feet. It's about three meters. It's not about a heat wave that lasts uh, three days. It's now a month. It's not a drought of a season. It's now been five years. So I feel that also the aspects in astrology are going to mimic that energy, are going to reflect that, and are going to be 
just as intense, if not more. So I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to warn you that now the aspect should be taken more seriously and it should be kind of waking us up because that's part of Uranus uh, being in Taurus. It's to wake us up to this new reality that the shadows of Mercury should be considered, that the eclipses coming up November 17 and December 4 should be taken seriously, especially the midpoint in between, but we'll talk about it a lot. And all of this uh, astrological phenomena should be real a little bit more. So this is uh, Halloween and it is the official Celtic New Year, I wanted to present uh, the 2022 book to you. And I have it in the chat room. I added the uh, link, and I'm going to send it to you also with the recording, the link for on Amazon. Uh, the cover I really love because it tells you kind of what's happening during 2022. You can see where there is Mercury retrograde, the eclipses. Uh, you can see the Venus retrograde, the Mars retrograde, which makes 2022 very unique. 2022 adds up to six which I wanted to say to you that six is the number of sacrifice. And that's why I basically named this uh, year a sacrifice for love. So it is a thick book. Sorry, thick books usually mean a very busy year, uh, but you can get it in e-form, e-version and the printed version. Uh, it's right on Amazon and you have the link on the uh, chat and I'll send uh, the link also to the people on Instagram. So... The Celtic New Year, it's a new beginning, a new beginning because right now, uh, if there is rain, it means there is life. So when the rains come, they bring life with them. It's almost as if uh, they are, you can say, fertilizing the earth. It is the God who is coming um, to make love to the goddess of the earth. So that's what um, uh, the Celtic New Year is. Also, this is a period where you're going to meet a lot of people from past lives, get glimpse of uh, memories from past lifetimes. All of those things are going to be very, very strong uh, for you in the next, um, well, in the next few weeks at least, while we are under Scorpio's jurisdiction. Um, so a few things that are happening right now that this year, this week, that could be pretty important for us all. Uh, so you can um, uh, just pay attention to the next, let's say the next week. I mean, we have a pretty busy week. Um, first of all, we have a, on November 3rd, a new moon, which we're going to discuss in a second. Also, November 5, Venus is going into Capricorn. She's going to stay there until March 5. And Venus, it does not love to be in uh, Capricorn. She doesn't hate it completely, but she's not super into it uh, because it forces her to dress in a business suit. And it's nice every once in a while, and it's kind of fun, but um, it's not as intriguing. The colors are not that interesting. You can't really show off your jewelry or your skin. So Venus, uh, rather not be cooped up in some kind of business suit, which is what's going to happen for her from November 5, from this week, all the way until March 5. We're going to be deep in 2022 when she leaves Capricorn. This is because she's going to be retrograde. Because because she's going to be retrograde and because we have that shadow, uh, we are actually going to enter next week. I'll tell you when we actually enter the shadow of uh, Venus um, 
retrograde, because now we're going to have to pay attention to it. And Venus retrograde creates a lot of misunderstanding in relationships with finance, with partnerships, with contractual relationship, anybody who you are connected to uh, on a contractual level. It could be business partners. It could be people who you make 10%, 5% of what they do, or they make 1% of what you do. Any kind of collaboration or any kind of cooperation, that's part of it. Anything to do with design, with um, a your values, these are also things that relate to Venus. And because it's in Capricorn, it's very, it's in the sphere of influence of career, ambition, success, anything that has to do with your patience, persistence, endurance. And physically, it can affect um, your knees, your bones, your teeth, your skin. Again, those are things that relate to Capricorn. So we'll talk about it much more, but just that you know, from November 5, Venus is entering the place where she's going to be for many, many months, almost five months. November 6, also, we're having Mercury move into Scorpio. That's good news for us because while he was in Libra, he retrograded. So we're definitely out of the shadow. We're moving into a new sign. Mercury in Scorpio is intense because Scorpio is death. So death, grief, uh, investigation, everything that has to do with unearthing. Don't forget that Scorpio is a very private sign and a secretive sign. So as a secretive sign, he knows, she knows, sorry, where you hide things. Even if you hide things in your shadow or your subconscious, uh, Scorpio has the ability to go in and check it up and to bring it into the light. That's precisely why Scorpio is about healing. It's about therapy. It's about death. It's about sexuality, intimacy, and most important thing, transformation. So Mercury is the magician. Hey, remember, he's the one that created the tarot cards. Tarot cards are associated with the occult. Anything occult is associated with Scorpio. Occult is basically uh, hidden in Latin. So uh, you have it um, as a period where Mercury communication can be associated with the occult, with hidden energies, with intimacy. So it's a great time to communicate your intimacy, to develop intimacy with other people, with yourself, with your projects. It's a great time to connect business-wise to production, other people's money, other people's talents, agents, managers, um, hedge funds, anything that uh, people work with other people's money and other people's talents. That's very good for Mercury and Scorpio. That's going to lead us until November 23rd from this week. And Mars is moving into Scorpio. Just today, it moved into Scorpio until December 11. Mars is the ruler of Scorpio. So the fact that he's in Scorpio works actually very well. And Mars being in Scorpio while Venus is in Capricorn and Mercury is in Scorpio, is a nice party. It's very feminine energy. It's water and earth, very compatible together. So all of our personal planets, Venus, Mercury, um, and of course, Mars, those planets that are uh, closest to us in a sense, they're all aligned pretty well uh, nowadays. So that's going to give us a big push forward. And the fact that we're coming out of the shadow uh, is great. So we have now a few weeks that uh, things are going pretty good. Also, uh, we have the new moon pushing a great deal of energy from November 4th, 3rd, 4th uh, into fruition. Basically, the new moon is going to give us a big push as well as all of these other planets changing signs, changing colors in a sense, and moving into a new place. So that's definitely going to be really, really helpful uh, for us. Um, what else was it? Okay, this is the new moon. 
uh, we have in Scorpio. So the new moon in Scorpio is taking place officially November 4, but depends where you are in the world. November 4 is in um, Greenwich uh, Mean Time. The Sabian symbol is an inventor inventing. So an inventor does what inventors do, and he basically uh, is... Um, Inventing, I guess. So that's something that is definitely not a bad thing. Uh, a new beginning in a way. And, and it's in a sense, I think that what it really tries to tell us is that there is now a time of renovation, invention, something new, which is interesting because these kind of things, patterns, especially or inventors, inventions are ruled by Aquarius and Aquarius. We said it's very dominant for us now. Not only that. It happened to be that Uranus, the ruler of Aquarius, which is the official inventor in the Zodiac, is opposite to the new moon precisely. I mean, to the point of how many degrees? Um, 10, sec 10 minutes. So Uranus is 12 degrees Taurus right now. It's a very slow planet, so it's going to take until 2026 to cover all of Taurus going back and forth. But the moon and the sun, as you can see, is 12 degrees Scorpio. And 12 degrees Scorpio is precisely opposite to Uranus in Taurus. So that means a little bit of craziness and unpredictable energy in your emotional state. A lot of ups and downs because Uranus caused that. Uranus is awakening your feelings. The thing about this new moon that makes it a little bit more complicated is that the moon does not like to be in Scorpio. And this is really annoying because my moon is in Scorpio. So oh, I think, I remember when I was studying astrology, it was Mexico. I remember the, precisely that moment when I was sitting down at that time, we didn't have um, computer programs uh, to do the chart. So we had the basic computer. I think it was just the first time that astrology, astrologers came up with the basic. You remember that uh, nice language, basic, if then, if then, if then, if then. So they give you basically the chart. You put your information. It was revolutionary. You put your information and then you get this, like all of your planets where they're located. And then you had to draw a circle and to put them inside and put all the blue lines. It was good. I caught it just as the, as the astrology went from completely doing everything alone to uh, being aided by computers. But anyway, I remember when I was uh, looking for the first time in my chart and I was saying, Oh my God, my moon is in Scorpio. My moon is in Scorpio. That's terrible. That's the worst place for the moon to be. And I got really annoyed by it. Why do I get the fallen moon? I mean, think about it. You're doing astrology and suddenly you find out that your moon is fallen. Fallen where? I mean, now there's a movie, I think, coming out when the moon is crashing into the earth. It does not look very good, the preview. And I was thinking, oh my God, this is my life. This is a movie about my life. My moon is falling into the earth. This is not good. So I started thinking, okay, maybe astrologers are wrong because, oh, come on, the moon is in Scorpio. Scorpio is water. The moon rules water. What could be bad about the moon being in Scorpio? Well, remember we talked about how when a moon or any planet is exalted, meaning that it's getting the best energy, the opposite sign will be the shadow of that, will be the fallen. So, for example... Mercury loves to be in Virgo, very analytical, very precise. Uh, Mercury is all about details. So it's exalted in Virgo. Therefore, it will be fallen in Pisces. That's always the example of the iPhone falling into your toilet. iPhone is Mercury. Toilet is water. I won't call it toilet Pisces, but in general, you know. So you see that happening in planets. So the moon being in Taurus is exalted. The moon being a, in Mother Nature is exalted. Of course, Mother Nature, in a sense, owes her life to the moon. Remember, we talked about how the tides of the moon probably created that shallow uh, place where animals started moving from the ocean into the land and slowly becoming amphibian and then eventually becoming 
monkeys and us. So moon in Taurus is exalted. Therefore, it's fallen in Scorpio. And when it says fallen, it's basically going into the shadow. It's almost as if we have Mother Nature and we have the shadow of Mother Nature, the Jungian or Jungian idea of the shadow, where the gifts are, but also the monsters are. So think about always how the hero, the heroine, when they want to um, explore and bring something back to their tribe, they're going to the north where there is no light when the moon is fallen, in a sense. So the moon is now fallen. The moon in Scorpio, the new moon in Scorpio is fallen. It doesn't mean bad things. It just means that you're going to go deep, really deep, really, really deep, so deep that you can't really tell where it's up and down, what we call diver sickness. So, you know, I have to do it on a daily basis. Thank you very much because my moon is in Scorpio. It's not, I mean, I know a lot of other people that have the moon in Scorpio and function pretty well. For example, uh, the Buddha had the moon in Scorpio. How do we know? He attained enlightenment on the full moon in May. The May is Taurus. The opposite of uh, Taurus is, of course, the moon in Scorpio. So when I found that uh, out, I kind of relaxed into my moon in Scorpio and said, it's okay if it's good for the Buddha, it's definitely good for me. So we are the same thing that before the Buddha attained enlightenment, it was a nightmare. He had to fall in a sense. He had to confront his ego. He had to deal with Mara, his three, three temptations and so forth. So what they taught us is that out of darkness come light, out of the shadow comes life, you know, so out of the depth of the ocean emerges mother nature. So the same thing with the moon in Scorpio is going to force you to go deep. You're not going to be able to brush things around or to just like say, oops, um, um, let's wait for it to pass along and everything's going to be fine. So what the, the idea behind the moon in Scorpio is investigate, go deep. Don't get any answer uh, for the real answer. Go even deeper. It's like archaeologists. Uh, the fallen idea is not to fall and to crush and to die, but to go deeper, to go deeper, to go deeper. Oh, you excavate, excavated, excavated. Excavated, uh, Troy, great, Troy one. What about Troy two? Oh, you have to go deeper. It's hundred year deeper from the past. Okay, deep, deep, deep. Eventually, you get into the bottom of it. You get to the uh, original idea, the original story, and that's what Scorpio is interested. The same way that you go to therapy. You thought you did a lot of uh, uh, really good um, progress. Mm, it's just the beginning. You're going to have to go deeper. You have to go unfold or un excavate uh, more memories, go deeper into your subconscious. That's precisely what the moon in Scorpio does. It's a very shamanistic uh, moon. And because it's the new moon in Scorpio, it begins a new investigation. So you can say that this um, Thursday, I guess, yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, middle of the week, you're starting to investigate something. Something new is coming into your life, maybe a new passion. A new passion, I don't mean somebody to basically have sex with. I'm talking about maybe a new passion to a hobby. It depends where your new moon falls in your chart. Maybe it's a new attraction because Scorpio for me is all about attraction. What are you attracting and what are you attracted to? And uh, finding precisely what do you need to attract from the universe right now in order to build something new. That's the new moon. Because it's opposite to Uranus, it might be unpredictable. It might be aha moment. It might be just suddenly appearing in your life. It also could come from some intimate moment with a person. And because it also is the time where we have the moon is sending beautiful energy actually to Minerva, the goddess of wisdom in Pisces, it could come through a dream. It could come through a woman who is wise around you. It could come from a healer or a therapist that is um, around you right now, especially if it's feminine. But it's interesting because Minerva is kind of the most manly girl, you can say, or manly woman. 
you can say. She's right on the border. She was born out of Zeus without a mother, and she was born out of his head. A head is Ares, and that's why she's the goddess of war, because Ares, of course, is the sign of war. But she's the goddess of wisdom and strategy, and she would do everything to avoid war through her words and through her mind and through her strategy. So she's not eager to just go to war, but she is the goddess of war. She was born clad with a armor and a spear. So come on, we're talking about right being on the border, the threshold, the cusp between masculine and feminine, you can say. So if yin is portrayed by the black wave, she is definitely the white um, island. So, Minerva, masculine, feminine energy that is mixed is sending you a very strong message to begin something new, especially in the realm of intimacy, sexuality, transformation, helping other people with their money, with their talents, um, building something that other people cannot do on their own. And that's part of it. And because Uranus is opposite to it, it could cause either the market or the Bitcoin market to go a little bit up and down, especially around the new moon because of that. Uranus is unpredictable in Taurus. Taurus is related to economy as well or finance or money and what else is happening in that um day yeah the moon mars is not too far from the moon but it's not close enough and the fact that we're getting out of the shadow is a big deal because maybe that's the biggest new moon it's almost as if the shadow we had before was not the shadow we need to get into and in the new moon in scorpio they tell us that's the shadow that you have to um get in uh, it's interesting that the part of the body that is associated with the new moon, if you're into astrology that has to do with the body or medical astrology, it relates to the vulva, it relates to the labia uh, minora and to the glands penis. Mm, it sounds very sexual. I'm not a doctor, but maybe somebody else can make sense of it. Maybe those are the areas that are more sensitive or whatever it represents uh, to you. So again, it is a pretty intense new moon. Everything now is intensified because of the, the, the spirit of the time we talked about. So just um, pay attention, but we're coming out of the shadows. So it's as if things are going to be a little bit more uh, clear. Um, yes, now let's look to see what is happening this week um, in, the, in our lives. I mean... Upstairs. No, that's the wrong one. Um, so what we have this uh, week, we are in November 3rd. No, it's a Wednesday, November 3rd. So we have to get back to... Yeah, so if we go back to... Actually... We need, that will be fine. No, that will not be fine. So what we have this week, trying to see where, animate. So, um, what we have this week is we're starting today, October 31. Again, new beginning. Pay attention to your dreams today, tomorrow. 
not only because it's um, a Minerva being in Pisces. Remember, we talked about Minerva, the goddess of wisdom, giving us wisdom. Through what lens? The lens of Pisces. What is Pisces? Dance, movement, meditation, a lot of connection to meditation, a lot of insights coming from meditation. It's also related to dreams and the ability to get information through dreams. So remember the technique we talked about, especially around the new moon, because we're now in waterland and we just established that we're going to have more and more and more and more and more water on the planet. Take a glass of water, drink half of it before you go to sleep and ask the water to help you connect to dreams that can really guide you right now. Or if you have a specific question, ask your specific question, then go to sleep. When you wake up, drink the other half and write whatever comes into your mind. And really, you know, maybe sometimes it's not bad to use this symbolism or the symbols of what we're talking about more visually. Maybe you can um, look in PBS or some other um, documentary about Minerva or about Athena or have a look at her image just to have that as the last thing you do before you go to sleep. I also recommend sometimes reading poetry uh, or seeing dance, uh, ballet, just give an example, before you go to sleep, because again, it's the same archetype in Pisces and it can resurrect or bring something in you uh, that night. So not only because we have uh, Minerva in Pisces retrograde, retrograde means that the inside, the, the message is coming from inside of you. That's why I'm talking about dreams and not so much about necessarily encounter with a woman specifically who is channeling Minerva, because it could be that Minerva is inside of you because retrograde means inward or coming inside, as well as Neptune being in Pisces. Neptune is the ruler of Pisces. It's Morpheus, the Lord of Dreams. He's also retrograde. So that means that the next few days, the messages are coming from inside of you. But because we're also in the season of uh, death, uh, ruled by, remember we talked about it, ruled by um, Scorpio, and this is the time of Halloween, the veils are very, very thin between your past lives and this current life, or between your parallel lives, is the right way to say it, um, or between your ancestors, uh, spirits, things that you were maybe that you have to retrieve to your soul. So all of that is very, very dominant in the next few days. That's why dreaming could be very, very crucial. And you see how beautiful the line between Minerva and the sun is right now, uh, which means today, tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, dreams are going to be very, very powerful. And because the moon today is opposite to Minerva, precisely opposite to Minerva, she's activating that. She's kind of bringing it into the fold. So again, very strong period of uh, connection right now to dreams, imagination, mystical energies, a lot of aha moments. You could be walking your dog or you can wash the dishes and suddenly you get an insight as if you were meditating really deep. So pay attention to it very, very strongly. Remember, we also uh, talked about Jupiter and Mercury sending beautiful energy to each other in the next few days. So not only we're coming out of the shadow, but Mercury is sending this beautiful blessing towards Jupiter. And Mercury and Jupiter are very related. Mercury is the ruler of Gemini. Jupiter is the ruler of Sagittarius. They're opposite um, signs, basically. So there is some link between them. And it's almost as if the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere are really connecting together to give you a lot of resolutions and a lot of insights. So again, because they're both in air signs, it's really good for communication, for businesses, for writing, for publishing. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I wanted uh, my book to be out today after a lot of uh, issues, you can imagine, uh, in the, during the Mercury retrograde, making it happen before uh, uh, October 31, but we managed. So uh, again, the moon opposite to Minerva, Minerva, trining the sun, really positive energy for a lot of insights. 
And the moon in Virgo today, tomorrow is very good for work, for diet, for health, uh, insights about your work, uh, insights about coworkers, insights about what you need to work on in the future right now. That energy is still very, very strong right now. Now, besides that, if we look tomorrow at um, November 1st, it's a Monday. So we're starting November on Monday. The moon is opposite to Neptune. It's actually very connected to intuition. For example, if your moon is opposite to Neptune in your chart, intuition, psychic energy, um, anything that has to do with um, insights that come again from inside, very, very strong. So we're talking about the next few days as in one sense, being very vulnerable, very open, very sensitive to energies. But at the same time, you have to be careful of dependency, codependency, addictions, losing boundaries, because that sometimes come with that. That's almost like the darker aspect of these uh, positionings, you know, the moon opposite to Neptune. But the fact that the moon is in Virgo is very pragmatic and practical. It's very grounded. So that's actually pretty good. And also tomorrow, the moon is sending a beautiful energy to Pluto. And that is um, very good because Pluto is the Lord of Scorpio. So we have Mars being in Scorpio, which is the ruler of Scorpio. We have Pluto um, sending very good energy to um, uh, the moon, the ruler of Pluto. Uh, Pluto is the ruler of Scorpio. So it's actually a pretty good constructive time, uh, especially to work with family members, especially to work on family issues. Uh, also, Pluto is squaring Mercury. The only problem with that is manipulation power struggles, obsessive thoughts, thoughts that don't mean too much or thoughts that you are having almost like conversation you're having in your head with other people and and you're giving the other people really terrible dialogue and then you're wondering why you can't stand them and why they feel that something's off with you and they don't know why because they didn't speak to you for a week. They don't know that you were speaking to them in your head for the last week and that they were saying terrible thing. Does that make sense? It's, it's Mercury op- squaring Pluto. So again, be a little bit aware of that. The moon uh, on Pluto. So let's say you have that in your head. Let's imagine you have this constant conversation with someone in your head right now. This is a great time to actually communicate it. Why? Because Mercury and Jupiter are really well aligned uh, today, tomorrow. And even though Pluto and uh, Mercury are squaring, you can override that with reason, with uh, information, with a confession. So Definitely a good time to resolve issues that come from uh, uh, the past, especially with family members or people you consider uh, family. Uh, The Uranus opposite to the sun is getting stronger. It means that father figures, figures of authority might act a little bit crazy or you might have a little bit of issues with bosses around uh, Monday, Tuesday. So if you go to Tuesday, the moon is moving into Libra and she's actually sending a beautiful trine to Pluto, or sorry, to Saturn and to the black moon. So when the moon and the black moon are hanging out together in a good way, it's always good. It's almost as if you have the mother of uh, demons there, but your own mother struck some crazy friendship with her. So it's kind of weird because your mother has a witch in the kitchen and they're gossiping and they're eating, but at least you know that she's occupied uh, the mother of demons and she's not going to do anything nasty to you as long as she's talking to your mother. So that's what's happening uh, November 2nd, November 3rd, we kind of have some quiet from uh, the evil stepmother, you can say. Um, and the moon sending beautiful energy to Saturn means that things that you're working on could be consolidated for a long period of time. Either they're going to take time to bring to, to come into fruition, but at least you know that they will. Because the moon trining Saturn means the ability to make things happen also on an emotion level, but also practically um, for the long term, especially if you're dealing with technology, innovation, e-commerce, things that have to do with um, 
design, beauty, art, law, justice, fairness, all of those things are really, really strong. Mars is going to be in Scorpio, we said, until December. And Venus is still in Sagittarius, so she's still happy until she has to go into Capricorn. Then the day after, November 3rd, we are having um, the moon touched Mercury. That's always great for me. I, th- I love that. That's because I feel and I think come together. IQ and EQ mingle together and they're in the sign of balance. So it's going to be easy for you to balance your emotional well-being with your intellectual one. Uh, moon in Libra, we talked about it. It's peace. It's a good time for connecting to peace and allowing peace to happen. The moon is about to move into Scorpio and create the new moon. And there's a lot of really beautiful trines starting to form. Even the sun and Neptune are going to start coming next week, especially to a perfect alignment, which is always nice. And it talks about, it happens three times a year approximately. And it talks about flow of your mystical energy, psychic energy, emotional energy. So that's going to be very positive. And Jupiter and Venus are aligned very well, which is very good for art, design, colors. Uh, Uranus is getting harder opposition to Sun. And that talks about becoming a rebel even if you don't. Do. So be careful of being a rebel without a cause or causing rebellious reason without a reason, uh, rebellion uh, activities without reasons. So just be a little bit more careful not to be snappy and not to um, uh, say things that later on you would regret. But you might have to deal with a crazy boss or crazy father figure. So just to be a little bit aware. That's the only opposition we actually have at that time, which means that most of our problems are self-inflicted, not because of the stars. And November 4 is the new moon. It's talked about inventors inventing. So you might come up with a really cool system that's better for you for work, or you're going to find a pattern to uh, be able to um, prepare your kids for um, a breakfast or for school before in a much more constructive way. A patent, we're not talking about something you're going to have to send the patent office to get uh, officially a trademark on that. It could be a new way of, it's going to, I would call it a mutation, like a mutation that really works. It could even be uh, something that is accidental that you think, oh my God, it actually works much better this way. And you're starting to do it. Uh, I'm sure that mole was discovered like that. I think somebody probably dropped some chocolate on the uh, pan that somebody was making from Chile and they tasted it. And they, instead of throwing it, they said, oh my God, it tastes so good. I wonder how it is with chicken. So I'm sure souffles was like that. Jazz was probably like that. A lot of things that started off as a little mistake that turned out to be perfectly well. Basically, we're talking about mutation. So that could be part of that new moon. New moon in in, in Scorpio is always about transformation because it's opposite Uranus, unexpected transformation or transformation in the field that you didn't expect that might come. But look at all these beautiful trines forming with Neptune uh, and with Minerva. A lot of wisdom is coming to us on November 4 and November 5. You see that she's very, very dominant. So Neptune, Minerva, the sun, Mars, the moon, 50% of the chart right now is in water like we discussed. And maybe that's going to help also the talks that is going on in Glasgow. But in November 5, as you can see, Venus moved into Capricorn and everything becomes very sober and very solemn. Uh, Venus in Capricorn is like, uh, I told you, the businesswoman who is dressed or cooped up in suits, uh, or it is uh, uh, sometimes you can consider her to be walking in high hills in a very narrow road in the top of the mountain, you know, when it's snowy and she's half dressed because she wants to look beautiful, but it's not the best place to look beautiful. So it, it's something about also relationship being more about a, what can you do for me? What I can do for you more about using each other in a sense. Um, 
that's, I don't know if it's going to be very helpful for um, what's happening over there in Glasgow. As long as Venus is in Sagittarius, which is up to November 4, it's a little bit better because Venus is negotiation and diplomacy. Sagittarius is foreign cultures and foreign traditions. Uh, Venus in Capricorn can be, become a little bit more scarce resource or conservative or nationalistic. So maybe there's going to be a high and then a little bit more of a low. But at the same time, Venus in Scorpio, in Venus, sorry, Venus in Capricorn could be very grounded. And if we decide that's what's going to happen, it can actually stick. So I think that in that sense, that's going to be a really good one uh, for the talks. Um, what else we have at that day said the new, new moon is continuing Scorpio, the moon in Scorpio is continuing November five, November six, the moon is moving into Sagittarius, which again, actually could help uh, the talks down there in Glasgow. So maybe November six, seven, you're going to see some, uh, good news coming from there. The only problem is the moon is opposite to the black moon. So remember that talk in the kitchen of your mother having a talk with uh, a mother of demons and they were having cakes and uh, coffee cakes and coffee and it was really nice. Now they're fighting and you're in the middle. So there's going to be cutting crossfire in a sense. So again, that's going to happen November 6th and 7th. So be a little bit careful with feminine energy, with your family members, with your emotional expression, because that could be a little bit tough. You know, I went to, um, not that it's connected, but we're done with... um, uh, the flow of what's happening this week. But I went to see James Bond, the last one, the last one with Daniel Gregg, which is the last one for me. And um, it was really interesting because he finally died, you know, the, uh, the, the one that cannot die. Because I always thought that James Bond is very much a Scorpio. But of course, he has something else that gives him a little bit more of that clash, but class. But again, spy, sexual thing. Yeah, that's going to be very much a James Bond. And he eventually, he, I don't want to spoil the thing, but you probably read about it. He dies. Okay. Now it's not as touching as it sounds because, you know, finally James Bond dies and, and you're kind of almost like relieved for him because he had a long life, so much so busy. It's good for him to go and come back in a different form, you know, but it's really interesting because I thought about it, how he's a very typical Scorpio in the sense that he, he, um, many times was in situation that we knew he's supposed to die, but we said it's called James Bond. He's not going to die. I mean, obviously, he's not going to die. And in this time, everybody knew he's going to die because Daniel Craig very much said, I'm not going to play it anymore. So they needed, you know, some kind of an end. But think about how he died. And yes, it's a spoiler alert. So if you don't want to hear, just close your, your eyes, your ears, sorry. Um, but the way he dies, he died out of friendly fire, if you think about it. The Russians didn't get him. Dr. No didn't get him. The evil people didn't get him. It was a sacrifice. And I, I, and I thought it was really, really beautiful because it is the ultimate hero. The ultimate hero does not die by the hand of their enemy because that's not a hero or a heroine. The real hero and heroine self-sacrifice themselves like Jesus, like Odin. Um, you know, everything that has to do with you deciding, like Jung talked about, your Ego is sacrificed in order to reach your higher self. And that is precisely the year 2022. That's why I wanted to end uh, our little talk with that. And like I told you, let me see where I have your questions to see if there's any. Um, Like I told you, the book is out there. So it's on Amazon. If you just put Gauss's on 2022, hopefully something like that would show up. And uh, if you can, please, uh, and if after you finish reading it or some of it, 
Um, please let me put some uh, kind of um, review if you can. It's really interesting. I had a Virgo guest here. And you know, Virgo are editors. And he's actually an editor. And he edits um, uh, academical papers. Anyway, uh, he found my book because I just got my first copy of my book. You know, I just ordered one to see how it looks uh, with the cover and everything. And he opens it in the forward and he says, um, is this final, the book? I said, why? What's the problem? I don't know, because in the forward, you have one mistake in the first sentence and one mistake in the last sentence. Kind of big mistakes. I said, what? It went through two editors. Well, what can we do? I mean, it's kind of, you You can live it like that, but it's kind of weird. You said, roll your sleeve up um, or something and then up again. And then in the bottom, you said, I wish you, you, to use. I don't know if you need to use. I said, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I can't believe the two editors went over it. I went over it, but it was in the shadow. And in the shadow, you know, for people like me, words lurk and letters lurks. And sometimes even some numbers step on each other, you know. So um, I had to go back to uh, the original thing, change it up, send it to the uh, layout, uh, return, never mind, never mind. But it was beautiful that a Virgo came to visit me just before I published the book. I get the first copy of the book. He happens to open it because he had a few moments break and then bang, he discovers it and I managed to fix it. So thanks the Lord, because he said, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's the Ford. I said, what well, the Ford is the first thing that people read and they read this. It, 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 it sounds like some kind of an Aborigine uh, discovery of, uh, you know, I don't know what, like the language for the first time. And that's what I am, I guess. I'm a native that will never be a native. Even in Hebrew, my mistakes are pathetic. So it's nothing personal with English. It's not like I have some karma with English. I just have karma with languages. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm supposed going to Glasgow. It's only problem with my flights. Yeah, this is, I think you should press. I think that anybody that can be in Glasgow right now and put their energy, even if you don't have the stage to talk about anything, A, I think Scotland is one of the most amazing places on the planet, A. B, it's a place I reincarnated many, many times. So I can tell you not only from being a, an Aborigine from uh, Israel that went there, I'm telling you, this is one of the most beautiful places as a person who's probably been a Roman that tried to conquer it and a problem that was probably a Scot that was trying to take other Romans in different times out of it. So definitely, definitely go there. And even if you have some resistance, definitely. When does the Celtic New Year start? Today. Uh, today, the uh, Halloween. Uh, there is a link to the book. Uh, let's see if uh, I have it still on there. Yeah, I sent you now the link again. Um, yeah, see that I'm supposed, yeah, I see that I answered, I think, most of the questions. But again, if you check where you see, where you hear your podcasts, Regularly, I should have a copy of it unless that uh, little middle uh, interruption we had from the shadow just to remind us that the shadow is there and the sacrifice is still needed. It should be there and where you um, uh, listen to your uh, podcasts. And um, I added some new classes. We have a new class for Sagittarius on November 22nd. The Scorpio class was a lot of fun. It was actually much bigger than the Libra. I guess all the um, closeted Scorpios came there and did not confess their Scorpios. So definitely uh, join us. We don't, Sagittarius class is much more fun. It's actually much more optimistic than the Scorpio class. The Scorpio class was kind of gloomy, but, um, 
And thank and again, we're going to have the class for 2022s coming up already in December, end of January, end of November, December. And I also posted my first class in vivo in uh, England, in London. So that was the last place. It's really funny. That's the last place I went before the pandemic. And this is the first place that I will be teaching after, after, kind of after, you know. So have a beautiful new moon. And um, I hope to see you live somewhere, someplace, sometime. Have an amazing uh, week. I think you will. And um, happy new beginnings. Happy new investigations. 